Hey, it's time for snitches. Oh, wow. That was really creative. I'm Tara. so creative. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to say something. And then I just said that because I'm not creative. <laughs> As usual, we never know how to open these things. And like, I'll be driving to work and I'll think of some fucking ridiculous thing to do. That's Weird is my brand. Weird is also my brand. Or I just don't know how or to do sometimes, it properly. just off the cuff, I'll think of some really fucking stupid thing. <laughs> but Tara... <laughs> What did you even say? Hey, it's snitches. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't funny. The name of our podcast is Basic Snitches. Listen, okay, we don't need a whole podcast about how I'm not funny, Adam. I mean, that's <laughs> what this podcast is, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> sick burn. <laughs> Today we're going to do chapter seven. Um, sick burn. No, we're not. We're doing chapter eight. Chapter eight. <laughs> Go back to this day on Instagram. We had two What wine day bottles. is it, Adam? You haven't given them the day. It's November 20th. November 20th. 19, 1999. Yeah, it's 1999. We've back in time. Uh, uh, I want to. 2000, yeah, we all do. 2019, in case you're listening to this in Whew. year 2034 or something. We drank a bottle of wine each, okay? Yes, but the bottles of wine were shaped like cats. And there's a great picture. It's a very flattering of both of us. My titties hanging out. In front of the fire, all nice and cozy. And by fire, I mean fire on YouTube yep, video. Yeah, on my TV. And it's yeah. still going strong. Anyway, we drink wine. Great. <laughs> We're back. If you want to send us gifts, message us. We'll give you the P.O. Box. Yeah. What if we just send them to the theater P.O. Box? <laughs> I'd be like, Gene, watch out for mail send, for basic snitches. Send basic snitches messages and wine to Broadview Heights spotlights yep it'll go over real well don't do that no one has to know just send me a message on Facebook I'll give you my address cool all right today we are reading you said chapter eight chapter eight the death day party the death day party (laughs) but first (laughs) Do you want to clear your throat again? <laughs> him, him, him. <laughs> him, him, him. I will have order. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, bottle of wine. It was. Um, I would like to take this moment to talk about chapter seven, which is clearly what I was talking about at the beginning of the chapter when I said we were talking about chapter seven. It's not. I'm just a fucking idiot, but we're going to pretend. Wow. She really turned that one around. <laughs> And then called myself out on it because I'm the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. So anyway, chapter seven. Do you know who won the chapter? Hagrid? Yes, it was a Hagrid. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. He wins the chapter for all the things we said. Also, I, I just got to give him some kudos on the little joke he pulls on Harry. He's like, oh, where's my signed photograph? And Harry's like all pissed. And he's like, I'm just kidding. And oh, I'm yeah, like, we didn't I that. love a, That's what that's right nice. now is for. Good, good job. I love Hagrid, right? I do what I can. Is it a loser Draco? Yes. I see. I told you. I came up with that loser without you telling me. I know, but I predicted it. I'm psychic. Um, here's the thing. (laughs) That sigh was so dejected. (laughs) She's like, why the fuck do I do this with you? Why do I even do this? No one cares. Okay. Because I'm the funny one and I'm the one who edits. (laughs) Your face is really funny, but you're just like done. You're like looking into the camera, being like, "Can you believe this?" <laughs> it's like an episode of The Office. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, I was the one that posts episodes. You're right. Anything. This this wouldn't have happened without either of us. That's right. Wow, full circle. We've gone through a roller coaster already. We just, should just end the episode just here. Just right this whole episode. Um, I haven't even finished talking about why I know. Draco why Draco, loses. Why does Draco lose? I mean, one, because of Draco. It's not just about him being a dick and, like, calling Hermione in mudblood and being the worst. I am so put off by how proud of the shenanigans he is. My father bought my way on the team. Like, he's proud of that shit. Mm-hmm. Ew. Who was proud of that? Like, that's... Here's Pride the, is a Slytherin thing. Okay, so if I had a rich parent, maybe that's what I was missing. Maybe, like, my parents need lots of money to just, like, pay the drama department. Just cast my daughter in one fucking show you do for a year. Here's some money. I don't think I would tell people, like, yeah, it's because my mom gave this program lots of money. Why is Draco not being like, yep, I'm on the team? And then, like, the fact that they all have the Nimbus 2001s be just, like, a thing that happened. Even though no one's gonna believe their bullshit, but the fact that he's proud of that is real gross. Mm-hmm. Ooh. He's got too much pride and not enough cunning. Yes. About balance. He'll get there, sadly. Yeah. Anyways, you wrote the summary for me to read. Yep, it's much shorter than yours was. No shit. <laughs> what else is there? All right. Him, him, him. <laughs> Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. Oh, hey, it's October. No, it's not. It's November 20th. It's October in the book. Yeah. Madame Pomfrey is doing the healer thing, passing out potions to people with colds. And honestly, send that recipe to Ohio. Steam coming out your ears will just keep us warm a little bit longer. I usually already have steam coming out of my ears, but okay. Quidditch (laughs) really sounds no fun with early morning practices in the rain. Being an athlete just isn't worth it. One rainy day after Quidditch practice, Harry meets nearly headless Nick on his way in, and they chat about Nick not being accepted to the headless hunt, and Harry whines about Slytherin having better broomsticks than Gryffindor. There's a dick joke here, but I'll leave that to Adam. I mean, the booms are dicks, right? Oh my god. That's what the joke is. What a joke. Yep. Then Filch comes over and freaks out on Harry for getting the floor dirty. Now, okay, this is where the joke should have been. He gets the floor dirty with his broomstick. Okay, no, Harry doesn't bring his broomstick in with him. He leaves it in the Quidditch. Did, is that what it said? Changing room. No, Harry leaves it in in the thing. How do you know? It's not where they usually keep them. It doesn't say he's carrying his broomstick. He's wiping his broomstick all over the floor, and it's getting it filthy and so Filch has to come and clean oh it up. Okay, God. anyways. <laughs> where was I again? Uh, then Filch comes over and freaks out on Harry for getting the floor dirty and leads him to his office, which is creepy and windowless and has chains and manacles hanging from the ceiling. Not troubling at all. Why does this guy work where there are children? Anyway, Filch is interrupted when they hear a crash and he leaves to investigate. Harry is a nosy bitch and reads some mail on Filch's desk, but does a shitty job of hiding that he read it. Then Filch yells at him to leave. Harry meets up with Nick again and agrees to attend his 500th death day party instead of attending the Halloween feast. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to the death day party. Everyone there is a ghost and it's freezing and there is no food. Well, no edible food anyway. Peeves is there being a pain in the ass. He calls over Myrtle, a ghost that haunts a toilet, and the trio all fail at complimenting her. Nick comes over, but before he can get ready for his speech, the Headless Hunt arrives, and honestly, they're just a bunch of assholes purposely trying to ruin someone else's party. Harry tries to tell Sir Patrick, the leader of the Headless Hunt, how scary he thinks Nick is, but is less successful than they had been telling Myrtle she looked nice. The trio starts 
to leave the party, but Harry hears the creepy voice again, saying it's going to kill. Ron and Hermione cannot hear it, but they follow Harry as he runs to find where it's coming from. When they stop, they see the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, enemies of the air beware, written on the wall. As they get closer, they see Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, hanging below, petrified. Ron suggests they leave, but of course, as soon as he does, everyone comes around the corner and sees them standing there. Draco Malfoy, who we definitely did not miss this chapter, ignorantly says something racist again and continues to be a terrible bully. I added that again. But he hasn't <laughs> been a racist yet in this chapter. Well, not in this chapter, but in the I'm last chapter. I'm just talking about this chapter. Oh. <laughs> well. You didn't miss him, remember? <laughs> Oliver Wood unpack. is a fucking brutal person. <laughs> just all these practices. Bless these children. Yeah. This is where the moroseness of this book really comes to light, I think. I think you're right. I mentioned it last episode, but... This is rainy and dark, and I mean, this whole chapter, uh, like when they're going to the death day party, it's the black candles, and it's cold, and there's something much more sinister than the last um, book, which, I mean, you even think about, like, the Mirror of Erised and Flying Practice and things like that that are so much more light and fluffy. Even when there is some, like, sadness behind them, like the Mirror of Erised and whatnot, this book is just a lot darker. I think that this book is more openly dark. Yeah. I mean, between the darkness of the whole era of Slytherin stuff and the Basilisk, the other things that we kind of start to unpack about the Wizarding World, like the class system and rules and regulations, things like that, just the whole atmosphere of it is very ooky spooky. So, ooky spooky. I uh, love that. So, where we open up. The chapter is, of course, people are getting colds because it won't stop fucking raining. We see Madame Pomfrey. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. (laughs) This is where there's a nice little foreshadowing where Ginny is looking a little bit pale, so she gets to have one of these potions. Potions. You don't think anything of it when you're reading it because that's what's happening in the moment. But the whole Ginny being pale thing is very clever. It's another introduction to, oh, hey, Ginny's here. Don't forget about her. Don't forget about her. Loved that. And then we have this little moment with Filch. I mean, oh yes, God. nearly the have Nick is here. Nick, which is important to talk about Nick's part of it and how like adamant he is. And he's like, it's only a half an inch. Why am I not part of the headless hunt? <laughs> only half an inch that sounds like a dick thing too yeah nearly headless nick is really upset that his dick is only half an inch (laughs) he has a little chode he has a little chode chang that was bad that was bad (laughs) that was a bad joke wow (laughs) that's what nearly headless nick named his dick chode chang stop (laughs) bitch i ain't chode chang (laughs) Stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, I really love Harry and Nick's exchange and just like, Harry is kind of too nice, especially in the early books. And then that bites him in the ass later on in the chapter anyway, him being too yeah. nice to Nick. He gets out of it. He grows out of being nice. He, he, <laughs> You're fucking us. Well, but like nice Harry, nice 12 year old Harry is still around. Well, and we still think of like where he came from and, you know, he's gotten sassier and he's come more into his own, but he's still, you know, polite and everything. And to be honest, yes, to this point, he has experienced quite a lot more than a regular 12 year old. Yeah. 
But there's still more to come to kind of like squash that niceness a little bit more, you know? So yes, he stands and kind of listens to Nick squabbling about the Headless Hunt. What I wrote down, because there's this whole thing about the letter that he received and everything. It's like dead people have like organizations and clubs. (laughs) I feel like only the Headless Hunt has a club and everyone else is like just trying to be dead on their own. But now there's a club. So there's a club and there are people who just want to be part of it. Well, I don't know. maybe there's like clubs based on how you died. Like, and he like doesn't fall into another category because his yeah, head mostly chopped yeah, off. Yeah, he's nearly headless, of course. I mean, it makes me think of the very Poor first Nick. show that we did. the The way that I started theater was with the Adams family, and we were all dead. Oh yes, we were dead. We had a little club and stuff, and oh, we did. We had a great. It was the best part of the show. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I, the, it was a wonderful show. <laughs> <laughs> You and I and Delia were the drunk ones, so, yeah, you know, it, it shows, fun. like, dead people can have personalities. Dead people can have personalities. You definitely see well, that a lot in their this personalities. Chapter. We hear more about that several books down the road. Nick was a real person, is a real person, but now he's the ghost of the person he was. This chapter makes me think about his death and how horrible his death was. Like, out of everyone in the whole series and people's deaths that happened in the future or happened in the past or even these other ghosts that we meet can't think of anyone who had a worse death than that so we we watched game of thrones and spoilers we does not include me no it's too bloody for me we is not adam just me (laughs) several seasons in there's the part where theon Greyjoy comes to like take winterfell back from the starks and it's just bran and rick on there and you know they're just the kids or whatever and he, like, tries to throw his terrible authority around, and so he beheads the captain of their guard, who, you know, is the person who taught him how to fight, so that's some bullshit. But he tries to behead Sir Roderick, and he doesn't. Sir Roderick's death is basically what happens to nearly headless Nick. It's pretty I bad. I can't imagine if you're going to behead someone. That, thank God for the guillotine, I guess. Yeah. You know? It, it, it's got to be even worse than getting your head chopped Right. Off. Well, because like, I think the first episode of Game of Thrones, there's like a scene where they behead a guy and like they get it right, which <laughs> thank God. Like every time someone's beheaded, you're like, oh shit, but also glad you did that oh, right. man. Wasn't there, there was a specific historical figure. I can't remember who it was, but they tried beheading her several times and it took like several whacks of the axe before it happened i think it was mary queen of scots Scots, that maybe yeah this article about mary queen of scots says that she was beheaded for treason and on the first blow it missed and hit the back of her head she supposedly groaned in pain and was killed by a second blow her head still attached it took a final third strike to decapitate that That sounds sounds pretty bad that sounds worse than what even like nearly had the snake i mean i don't know because he was getting hit 45 times in the neck with a blunt axe would qualify i don't know that sounds 45 pretty f- 45 that's the worst like why like why did it take 45 and who hated him that through? much to hit him that many times with did a blunt he have axe? like a metal plate in his neck or something from some thing that happened actually during his life there is one very minor character i can't think of who it was they kept getting caught so that she could be burned at the stake because she liked the way it felt. Oh, yeah, they weird talk about... something. Her name is Weird... I don't know. It was definitely... It's someone that they talk about in, like, later on in the books. But yeah, yeah, and, like, History of Magic or something like that. But, yeah, so there's there's been some pretty interesting deaths, but, like, we don't really encounter anybody who's had a very interesting one. I mean, the way that Quirrell dies is 
pretty unique. But like, it makes me really pretty awful. wonder what else is there out there in the afterlife in this series of like how ghosts, I don't know, communicate how, and come Yeah, together. what they do. Also, though, I kind of want to know, like, Nearly Headless Nick's story. Like, who wanted to behead him that badly? But, yeah, but yeah. But didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Exactly. I don't know. I, this chapter makes me really appreciate Nick. I want to know more about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. This is a very quick thing about the movie, but it really isn't in this chapter because, well, we'll get there. At the very beginning of the first movie we meet nearly headless nick and in the movie he says something about my request to join the headless hunt has been denied mm-hmm. and then they never cover it but yeah again we'll more on that later so we really don't know that much about nearly headless <clears throat> nick but of course this is such an important time because of what happens to nearly headless nick later in the book you know we've yeah. we've gone through it with jay finch to an extent with colin creevy and then also this little piece with argus filch and oh like reintroducing the characters and getting them on our radar yeah Yeah. and like the fact that harry is taken into filch's office and of course we see mrs norris here which can i just say like the way that they talk about mrs norris other than her of course kind of like glaring and judging him which i mean that's what cats do but isn't that right busby He's ignoring us right now. But <laughs> Busby is maybe the least judgy cat. Yeah, ever look met. at him. Oh, you're so nice. Berkeley sure. is asleep and judging us. <laughs> there is a picture that you took maybe the last time you were here where both of them are being so cute and nice and like looking at the camera. Yeah, I love them. And the caption is something like, I've never been so judged in my life. It was really just Berkeley, but yeah. <laughs> but even Berkeley isn't very judgmental. They're very good children. Little penguins. Them. Is what I call them, because they're black and white. But I'm like, oh, no, Mrs. Norris is so cute. I have no problem with Mrs. Norris. Can I also tell you that my music teacher from elementary school was named Mrs. Norris? Aw. Yeah, so that's kind of what I think of when, when they mention Mrs. Norris. Anyways, <laughs> this whole thing, mentioning Mrs. Norris, and then this moment that we get with Filch and the letter about the quick spell is very interesting. It's There's the, so much here. Yeah, it's the first mention of squibs. Well, here's the thing is it's not actually. Well, they don't say squibs and Harry's brain does not go there. Well, it's similar to us talking about parcel tongue. Like we don't know that it's parcel tongue. Right, but this is the first time we get any kind of information about Inclination about it. About and, it. Yeah, but Harry himself, he's like fascinated. Harry thumbed through the rest of the envelope's contents. Why on earth did Filch want a quick spell course? Does that mean he wasn't a proper wizard? You know, and then Phil starts coming back, so he throws it back on the, yeah. on the desk. Obviously, Harry doesn't know anything about that yeah. because he was raised by muggles. I'm going to get into my rant now that we've already had. Why is he the caretaker? One, he's fucking obsessed with violence. Two, if he can't do magic, why is he in charge of cleaning this castle? Three, this has nothing to do with Filch. Why is there not, like, an introduction to basic magic course when there are first years? Like, I want practical magic for beginner winners. Because Ron even says, he's like, I'm not good at muggle cleaning, which indicates that maybe he knows how to do wizard cleaning. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe once he learned spells and stuff, like, yeah. once he had a wand, like, Molly taught him spells to do around the house over the summer, because I'm sure they get away with doing magic there. Well. To do cleaning, at least. It's that thing again about, like, underage wizardry. Right, but there are like, actual wizards in the house. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? But my point is, like, why are we not having a beginner class where the kids come in and you teach them, this is a spell that will help you make your bed. This is a spell that will clean up fucking dirt. What if it's raining? Here's a spell to make an umbrella. Yeah. Like they do in the Fantastic Beast movie. 
Why is that not a thing? It's the same problem we have as fucking people who go to muggle schools. Like, why did I not? How to apply for a mortgage? Yeah, that I was gonna say that exact same thing. Now it's all on this old man who can't even do magic. He is at a disadvantage. I don't care that he's the worst ever because he's pretty fucking terrible. But take that out of the picture, and it's still like. Why is he in charge of yeah. cleaning this giant-ass castle filled with people who know how to fucking clean it up? There's two big things to unpack here. The first is just why is he the caretaker? Well, yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how did he fall into this position? Did he have nowhere else to go? Like, what is the difference between him and Mrs. Fig? Whereas Mrs. Fig is, like, you know, kind of just a part of society. I don't know. I, your guess is as good as mine. It, it would be really interesting to kind of get his backstory. In terms of the basics, magical basics and stuff, 100%. I mean, like, when you do go to college, I even think my freshman year, I automatically was enrolled in, it was like COL 101. It was like intro to there college. Was, yeah, there was some kind of like introductory yeah. class in college. I dropped it after one class. I was like, I don't fucking need I to think learn I was, how to do with people. I was required to take one of those. I dropped it and I took astronomy and let me tell you something. I learned so much more about it in, in astronomy than I did. That was the beginning college. of what what we have today. Yep, and now Adam I'm a took centaur. an astronomy class. You know what is funny? We're <laughs> entering into the age of Sagittarius, and I am a Sagittarius. I'm a centaur. That's right, bitches. My astronomy class was taught by John Muscatariu. He was from Transylvania. That's fucking crazy. And his first name was spelled I O A N. And he talked in the Romanian accent. And every day he would come in with this giant bar of chocolate from Aldi or something. And he would like slam it on the desk. And like we would take breaks because it was a night course. I mean, it's astronomy. Three hour night course. And he would like slam it on the desk after finishing a big part of the lecture and say, please question, have a chocolate. And then me and my friend Marissa, we would like write down his quotes because he would say like fucked up shit. Like we would be learning about like Tycho Brahe, which I don't know. He was some famous astronomer. I don't remember. But he would say Tycho Brahe was a very weird guy. He get his nose chop off. Moving on. And then <laughs> that was it. That was Tycho Brahe. He got his nose chopped off. There was one point in the class where we were talking about asteroids and he was like, asteroid is not like Earth. Asteroid is like potato or carrot. And then somebody in the back of the class yells radish. He's like, yes, radish too. <laughs> so basically, like, this was me going to Hogwarts in college. Was oh astronomy my God. class. Well, how did we get here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I love this. Um... Uh, uh, oh, basics and college 101. Yeah, all that college bullshit. 101. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, so... Hogwarts needs that. Well, yeah. And I mean, it opens up so many more questions about like, okay, what really are the rules of underage wizardry? Like, how do they know how to do these basics? And it, ugh, it it's just bizarre to me. But yeah, this quick spell thing, it makes me wonder if they focus specifically on the squibness here without actually, you know, talking about what a squib is because of the whole going after Mugborn kind of thing. Oh, and right. like, it's kind of adjacent to that, maybe? I think it is. Without getting to the point where we're explaining what a squib is, we are still putting it out into the universe that there are people who might not be able to do magic, who live in the magical world, which is a thing that Harry wouldn't know. There's also this thing with Peeves. He drops a vanishing cabinet onto the top of his office, which... Yes, which Nick persuades him to do. Yes. To get Harry out of it. Which 
I love several things about it. First of all, Nearly Headless Nick being a solid bitch. <laughs> He's not a solid bitch, though. <laughs> if you think <laughs> Nearly Headless Nick is not a solid bitch. This is the first time where I'm like, fuck yes, peeves. Yes, he was persuaded to do so. But, I mean, it's also filch. Like, how hard was it I'm to sure persuade him? Like, that sounds fun. You go. For the first and last time, probably ever. That kind of, like, breaks filch for a moment, and he lets him go. So he goes back, and that's when we There's hear about this Nick. death day and Nick's thing. Nick's like, come to my 500th death day party. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, Harry, you're too nice. Yes. How terrible. Like, the Halloween feast... Is amazing. And he's missing out on all the feasts this year so far. I mean, he's very grateful to what Nick did for him. Yeah. And that's probably why he's vulnerable to this. Ron and Hermione agree to come with him. Harry made the promise for himself. And so when Hermione's like later on where she's like, it's a promise is a promise. And Ron's like bitching. Then don't come, Ron. Harry's yeah. just like, I will go. Hermione's like, this sounds fascinating. I'm totally in. So then Ron is like, mm, I gotta go with you. Then he bitches about it. Like, Ron... You could have not gone. Well, maybe he's not friends with Neville anymore after... After he was a dick about Neville. Yeah. And maybe it got back around and Neville was like, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) Can you imagine Neville saying, fuck you, bitch? Getting in Ron's face. You don't know me like that, bitch. (laughs) I'm Neville Longbottom, bitch. (laughs) That's like book seven. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Ron was feeling intimidated. He's like, well, I might as well hang out with them since I'm going to get my ass whooped by Longbottom. (laughs) So they go go. to this party. I like the aesthetics. I am fascinated by the The black candles and like the spookiness and that's like where it stops. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by the idea of a death day party and Harry being like, how do I behave here? Kind of want to see what another one looks like. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, the other aesthetics of like the shitty music and the food like moldy haggis oh my god God. right that sounds awful moldy haggis that was like someone's nickname in college (laughs) (laughs) oh here comes moldy haggis again (laughs) 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 you know whose death day party i want to go to Fat Fryer. Oh, yeah. Fat Fryer. Is he a good guy? He's nice. Yeah. He would probably have a fun... You know who else's death day party I kind of want to go to? The Bloody Barons. Yeah. Because because everyone gets drunk. Because everyone just gets drunk and he just sits there and scowls. And guess what? Alcohol don't go bad. Does alcohol go bad? I'm sure some of it does. I mean, they can't drink it because they're ghosts. Yeah, but like all the food and everything there is moldy. So at least like, hey, I could go and get wasted. That's true. Or at least... So after Fridge Gate, I know I mentioned Fridge Gate on here. <laughs> I was kind of like emptying out my fridge as much as possible. And I had some like beer that I know it was like a year old in there. And some of it was like this cider. And I kind of fucking tasted weird, but I didn't get sick. So maybe it was fine. You know? You I mean, know. that's all that matters. I mean, it ages, you know? and Right. People drink old alcohol all the time. So I was going to mention something about the Friar because that was another character I played in Puffs too. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to give him points. But this was another situation where there were too many points flying around. So I think it's interesting that Nearly Headless Nick also died on Halloween. I was going to say that too. And uh, 1492, which is right. when U.S. was... I was thinking... Was that why he was killed? I wonder. Something having to do with, like, the discovery of America? Oh, someone, like, because J.K. is not writing anymore Harry Potter, someone write that fan fiction, I'll read yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if it's out there. Mm. Like, that's a very specific thing. You think back to last year on Halloween, mm. there was the whole troll incident? Well, we always know things happen on Halloween yeah, for Harry. Exactly. But... Yeah, the whole Death Day party happens. And then we meet maybe one of my favorite characters. 
Are you talking about Myrtle? Yes. I, moaning Myrtle. Like, she is such a, like, sad little sap, but I don't know why. I just really like Moaning Myrtle. Her confidence, unfortunately, is really low and everything, and part of that has to do with, like, how she died. But she's also, like, fucking horny, like, later on. Like, we learned that, like, she died in the prime of her hormonal growth. She did. <laughs> I, I think that's something maybe to think about, is, like, being a child who... Well, she a was teenager. In her, she it's was a, in her third or fourth year? Yeah. So, 13, 14 year? years old. Yeah, I think that's very important, that she wasn't just a child. She was a teenager. I also think that it's very interesting that she haunts a toilet at Hogwarts, whereas Nick and Fryer and everyone else, however their deaths happened and wherever their deaths happened, they're at Hogwarts now, like representing that's houses. That's a good point. But, like, Myrtle's there. Like, is she trapped there? I wonder if it's the way that she died. Because even when you think about, mm. like, the supernatural stuff, they say if you have, like, unfinished business, that's why you're around. And, like, she really did die in a cut way that was kind of mysterious. I mean, then you could say, like, okay, once the basilisk died, why is she still there maybe she's just like well i don't got anything else better to do except you know look at people when they naked and that's why she's so horny in book four but like (laughs) who knows like that might be why i was gonna bring this up earlier with the bitch who kept wanting to be burnt at the stake because that made me think of coven an american horror story now that wasn't bloody enough for me but game of thrones is i know i'm a hypocrite but (laughs) Everyone like, is different. It's yeah. fine. Um, there's something campy and fun about um, American Horror Story. But it made me think of the first season, Murder House, where all these people died in this house and they can't leave unless it's Halloween, which kind of supports everybody being able to come to this party. So have you seen it? No. American Horror Story? I don't watch that. On Halloween, that's, that's the one day when they're able to like roam wherever. So maybe those four ghosts did mm-hmm. die at Hogwarts for whatever reason. I mean, that kind of disproves the whole theory of nearly headless Nick died having to do with the discovery of America or something. I mean, I can't imagine that they died at Hogwarts because he was hit 45 times in the neck with an axe. Do you think that happened at Hogwarts? Yeah. And also he died at like the age that they are. Yeah. So like Myrtle died as a teenager. Well, and even Helena Ravenclaw... She was killed, it, she by, was the bloody killed by the bloody yeah. baron. They died, I think, in Albania. Is that when she, where she's mm, maybe she, I don't maybe remember. they didn't die in Albania, but they both died at the same time, and they definitely didn't die at Hogwarts. Yeah, I don't. That's true. I think it's probably just a different canon as far as like yeah. Ghost. I just I wonder if Myrtle's just making the choice to be like this is where I died yeah. and it's very significant to her. Maybe like and again it could be like the unfinished business thing like and that's why she's like stuck where she is. All I know is that like when I die I want to be able to like roam all over the place because I got a lot of people that I want to haunt and a lot of shit to cause. That's what I want to <laughs> do. I would like to be a, a fucked up like asshole ghost. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so there we have this little introduction to Myrtle, which again is important, you know, Myrtle, in yeah. introducing all the important characters. Uh, then we have fucking Patrick, whatever the hell his name oh is. Oh my god. And that kind of supports the theory of they can roam wherever they want no matter what. Because, yeah. like, otherwise, how does the Headless Haunt kind of, like, get together and, like, do their, like, head-related sports? Which is what it seems right. like what they That's, do. They, they're, they're fucking assholes. Yeah. His name is Sir Patrick Delaney Podmore. Yeah. Because because Nick calls him Sir Properly Decapitated Podmore, which yeah. is pretty funny. Yeah, they're assholes. Nick, you probably shouldn't have even invited them. Like, they've already yeah. tossed you aside. But they come and they, like, take over. I'm sad for him. He doesn't get to... 
give a speech. Right after the speech is happening, it's like, you fucking dick. This isn't your chance to, like, rub it in his face that he can't, like, that he can't play, play with his head. <laughs> I mean, dick joke. It's right there. I'm not going to say anything else, but I mean, they're playing with their heads. I just, I'm like, God, they're such dicks. What a sad death day party. Yeah. It leaves things a little bit unfinished too. And then what happens with Nick later and all of that. So, but of course, eventually they're like, like, we need to get out of here. It's too cold. We can't eat anything. Like, and the comparison of, it makes me think back to when they were in the car and he was thinking about like pumpkin juice on the Hogwarts Express. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. It's like, oh man, we could have been enjoying the Halloween feast. Harry hears the voice again and they stumble upon the final scene here. There's even a line of something like people who have like enjoyed themselves and eaten a lot. The sound of those oh, yeah, people it approaching. Says, uh, a rumble as though of distant thunder told them that the feast had ended. From either end of the corridor where they stood came the sound of hundreds of feet climbing the stairs and the loud happy talk of well-fed people. Aw, so sad. No food for you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where's McGonagall to be like, hey, you were nice to our ghost. Here's one of those plates of sandwiches that keep refilling. Right? They need to make friends with house elves sooner. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That too. That's a a great point. And then Draco Malfoy. Oh my God. And he's creepy too. You'll be next, Mudblood. Like, first of all, he immediately jumps to it. Like, he... He's now on this, like, racist kick. Because, I mean, he didn't say it the first year or anything. Yeah, he you know? like, I feel like he thinks he's invincible now because he's I'm on the Quidditch team. I'm hot shit. That's a good point. But it says something too, like there's like a fervor in his eyes or something. And he's like basking in this thing that happened, which it's kind of a horrifying thing. I mean, the cat looks dead. Right. Harry and Ron and Hermione are absolutely devastated at the idea of this And cat. it's displayed in such a terrible way with the stuff crawled on the wall. And yeah, and Draco just like makes complete light of the situation and everything. He really is fucking terrible. And that's where it ends. It's a good chapter end. It leaves you wanting more, but then you're not like, oh, it's a cliffhanger. Like a thing happened and you just wait for what happens next. Yeah. brief discussion on the movie yeah so this this chapter chapter is not in the the movie movie. so are you ready for points i'm just kidding (laughs) right so the detention that happened in the chapter before harry hears the voice leaving detention like he does in the book he runs into ron and hermione who are together because apparently ron doesn't have detention and then they come across that together and then everyone comes to see them. And I'm like, why is the whole school up four hours after Harry went to detention? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. When is his and detention? And the way they kind of, like, swarm in and everything, it's so weird and unnatural. The way they do it in the book is well, way yeah. more normal. Here's the thing. is like, I have no problem with the cut of that chapter. But if Harry is coming across this after his detention, like, he hears the voice after his detention in the book, sure. Then why is he coming across it with anyone else there? There's no... Yeah reason anyone would be out of bed the whole school is yeah, there the whole, and filch isn't even angry well i mean his cat but like if, right well but if they filch have, saw this he would be chapter. like oh my god what the fuck all these kids are out yeah he would be so excited well, yeah. why is everyone out of bed did harry have detention in the afternoon what the fuck is going on yeah four hours in the afternoon because 
Gildory says the same thing about like, oh, four hours. Oh. But he even says, you must be taught or something like yeah. that. Like, so I'm not sure what that was about. That was weird. It was just the easiest way for them to completely just like yeah. slice out Which a big part of the book. I fine with that part of it, but they had to put the whole school there because then the whole school's like, what the fuck's up with him? And then Draco can say his asshole line. There's several things about this that I'm like, this is an important chapter. First, it's just more natural, like we've already talked about. The whole Stilch being a squib, I think that's very important. The reason why Mrs. Norris was the first one petrified, perhaps. Just more things about Nearly Headless Nick before he's petrified. They don't really cover that. It's kind of like how they gloss over the Jay Finch thing. I mean, we get more of that during Dueling Club, but they don't introduce... Jay Finch during Herbology, like we've no. talked about. It was an easy thing to for them to cut because, like, Peeves was involved, too. I feel like a lot of times they're like, oh, Peeves was there. Slice it. Like, the whole chapter in the last book that was kind of cut. Midnight Duel. Yeah. I mean, I get it. This is the longest movie yeah, in the series. That's true, too. It's the introduction of Moaning Myrtle here, that's not as important. I don't care about that. That's the way fine. they introduce her is fine. I just also think, other than shortening everything, I'm always trying to think of like what translates better into something for a wider audience. This is a dark ass chapter in a already dark ass book. Yeah. Cutting out this whole thing with all the ghosts. Very intriguing. I mean, yeah, I want more of it, but I also like, I mm -hmm. accept it. The biggest thing is like, I'm just trying to understand why they, that's how they're going to tell that part of the chapter, yeah. but it is what it is. It leaves a lot more to be desired, I guess, too, more about the ghost world that they never really get into. Mm -hmm. After this movie, the next time you interact with a ghost is the last movie. Well, other than Myrtle, again, in before. Other than Myrtle. But you're right. Who was established like, and, like, we you, you get Myrtle and then you get, you see Rowena. Or not Rowena. Um, uh, Helena. Yeah. We lose all of the Nick stuff and we will talk about it in book five. Yeah. Again, like, they, they did what they needed to do and it is the longest fucking movie. Yeah. So fine. I will say, I loved them showing the reflection of the Chamber of Secrets message. I thought that was some really cool part of the filmography and then fucking hermione's line is the most captain obvious bullshit line it's written in blood i'm sorry i can't see apparently <laughs> you're gonna cut part of the story out and i respect that but then you're also gonna throw in captain obvious lines okay oh my gosh two other observations because there's not a lot of them to make the bio kind of touched on this the fact that in the first book he mentions the headless hunt and we lose it here it's kind of like an afterthought I guess, of, mm -hmm. oh, well, we should have even put that in the first one, I guess. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that it's mentioned in the first movie now. I suppose. Again, it leaves so much to be desired. And then the other thing that we both mentioned is the moment where Colin Creevy gets his camera up to take a picture of the Chamber of Secrets, okay. and someone pushes the camera down, and we were like, who the fuck was that? We think it's one of the Weasley twins. That makes the most it's sense, It's either one of the Weasley twins, or it's Percy Weasley, or it's... I like Percy Weasley it's is better than likely the likely Percy. I guess we'll never know. I don't know. know. We'll never know. I mean, I'm sure that we can find out. Yeah. It's not the biggest issue. We just noticed still. it. So we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Because there's not a lot. That was that chapter as represented <laughs> in the book. Here we are in the home stretch with my point. So like I said, a lot of points. So I'm going to start with the negative points. We didn't actually talk about this, but at the very beginning of the chapter, I think they're in the Gryffindor common room. 
And Fred is experimenting on a poor little salamander with his fireworks. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's animal cruelty. Fred. So negative five points to Fred. I was like, whoa. It's just a little detail. It's not huge, but animal poor salamander. Animal cruelty is huge. Yes. So negative five Fred. Negative 20 to Filch because he's an abuser. Negative 20 to Sir Patrick because he is a dick. And negative 20 to Draco, because what the fuck at the end? I felt like it was beyond just being racist and fucking shitty. He was creepy. Like, he relished in it. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, he's awful. So, negative 20 to him. Positive points, plus five to Peeves. It's my only opportunity. I thought it was funny. All I wrote was LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Peeves, LOL. Uh, plus five to Moaning Myrtle, because I like Myrtle. I think that she's a fun, humorous character, and I feel bad for her. I feel bad for everybody in that situation, because it's awkward, but we're all awkward with you. So, plus five to Moaning Myrtle. Plus five to also Mrs. Norris, because poor Kit. Yeah. And I thought she was kind of cute, so... She's just doing her job. Yeah. Is she annoying? Sure. Just doing her job, but it's a cat, and, like, we like cats. We, we like talk cats. about them in every fucking episode. Plus 20 to Harry... For paying Nicholas back by being a good friend and going to the death day party, missing the feast, all of that. And of course, plus 20 to Sir Nicholas. Because it's his chapter, what he did to distract Filch. I mean, it's his 500th death day party. That's a huge milestone. Pretty important. And also I want to throw him some points because fucking Sir Patrick and all of them were being dicks. poopy-headed Patrick. Ooh, sick burn. (laughs) And so those are my points. My recap. <laughs> plus 20 to Sir Nicholas. Plus 20 to Harry. Plus 5 to Mrs. Norris. Plus 5 to Moaning Myrtle. Plus 5 to Peeves. Negative 5 from Fred. Negative 20 from Filch. Negative 20 from Sir Patrick. And negative 20 from Draco. That's it. Hooray. What are we reading next time, Tara? Guess who forgot to talk it out? Oh, oh both me. of us this time. Both of us. The next... Chapter is The Writing on the Wall. Chapter 9? Chapter 9. Chapter 9, The Writing on the Wall. Look, it's a picture of Moaning Myrtle. Oh, look how sad. <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like she's melting, but she's crying. She a drippy beach. <laughs> this is a long chapter. Oh, God damn it. That's the one I have to write. Uh-huh. So, we'll catch her next time. Yes. It will be fun. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say yes. 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 Goodbye. That's it. End of episode. End of episode. Good night. Please question have a chocolate. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch Catch you later, snitches. snitches!